the word always works, right? The word produces good fruit. Seed works when it is put in the right place and gets what it needs. The seed will grow. And how can you tell it's good seed? You'll see good fruit. How can you know if you plant apple seeds? You'll get apples. How do you know if you get orange seeds? You'll get an orange tree, right? You get the fruit from the seed you plant. That is in your life of all things. Your words are seeds. And you're going to eat the fruit of your words. You might get good fruit. You might get bad fruit. If you're seeing some negative fruit in your life, you might need to work on what you're saying, what you're thinking. Because the things that are coming from you are seeds that you've planted. This is the most powerful seed of all time. Jesus gave us this parable that, that, that about the farmer sowing seed and how it produces a harvest. But, you know, seeds need something to grow. And the word needs nothing apart from itself to be fruitful. But in your life, man, we're not perfect. We don't always do the right thing, right? Sometimes we make mistakes. We don't always put ourselves in the right environment. Sometimes we, we fall into habits of being overly negative, and, and we're not creating the proper environment for the word to produce good fruit in our lives. It is the most powerful thing and force on earth. We are the ones who are at fault, and sometimes we are not given the word good ground or the water that it needs for us to see the fruit from it in our lives. Good. Do you get that? So that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, it's kind of a three-part thing. I'm going to start off by reminding us who we are in Christ. Then I'm going to remind us what we have in Christ. Then I'm going to close by talking about if we're not seeing the fruit of who we are in Christ. In other words, if the outpouring of our life doesn't look like the victory we have in Jesus, and if we're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit growing in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, these are all things that are given to us. If we're not seeing that, then we just need to take an assessment, realize that maybe we're not giving the word within us the water or the right environment and how we can make a change to give the word within us what it needs to produce a harvest. You can go into 2022 seeing more victory because the fruit of the word is victory in your life. You can go into 2022 seeing more victory than ever no matter what is going on around you. Don't you remember the story when the prophet was in the cave with his servant and they hear some clatter, they hear some, some people pulling up to the cave and they walk out and they are literally surrounded by an enemy army. And the servant is freaking out and he says, what are we gonna do? There is an army surrounding us. And the prophet says, no, open your eyes and look at who's surrounding that army. And all of a sudden, the servant's eyes were opened, and he sees an angel army surrounding that army. And he realized this powerful thing. There's more of us than there are of them. That's victory. And all it took in that moment for him to get some victory was a perspective, a perspective shift. And we can do that today. We can shift our perspective a little bit. And instead of walking into this new year thinking, why doesn't the word work? We're going to realize, instead of that question, why isn't it working in my life? 
And if, you think, if, you're, if you're thinking, well, how can I be powerful enough to make the word of God not be active? Listen, it, it's a truth that's actually written in the word of God. Psalm 78, 41 says that Israel limited God because they didn't remember what he had done for them. That's a powerful thing. How, how can you limit an unlimited God because he has to work through you? The Lord wants to work through you to give you victory. He wants to work through you for somebody else to receive victory. But in this case of Israel, the prophet writing this psalm says that Israel didn't see the victory God had given them because they didn't remember what he had done for them. We're going to spend some time today remembering who we are, what the Lord has done for us, and then how to water that seed to see victory through the year. Now, that reference gets even more powerful, honestly, if you, if you just jump into that. There's this moment, you probably all know this, if not because you've read the Bible, but because you've seen movies like The Prince of Egypt and, and the old Charlton Heston Moses movie. It's a very popular story, but the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, had about a 12-day journey to the Promised Land. And when they got there, there was 12 spies that were sent out. 10 came back and were very afraid. They said, there's giants in this land. And two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, it doesn't matter if there's giants. God's given us the victory. Remember, he told us that he'd give us this land. Now, this is when you got to put two and two together because there's 40 years in between these next two events. Moses says to the negative spies, he goes, well, tell me really what exactly you saw. And they said, we saw giants. And to us... To them, we looked like little grasshoppers that they could just stomp on, and we have no chance of beating them. So they left the edge of the promised land and wandered around the desert for 40 years. The entire generation of people who were set free in Egypt died and were wiped out during those 40 years, all but two, Joshua and Caleb. A new generation were led into the promised land by Joshua and Caleb 40 years later. God's will for the children of Israel was to go into that land and defeat those giants on day one. That was God's plan. Now, you have people all the time saying, well, if it's God's plan, it'll work out. Honestly, that is not the truth. You have to partner with God's plan to see it work out in your life. Coronavirus is not God's plan, right? We got to partner with the Lord and walk in authority over this virus. The children of Israel, God's plan, his will was he gave them that land. And you see this in, in, in uh, man, it, it, it's horrible. It's heartbreaking what you see 40 years later. Because when Joshua and Caleb are leading the children into the land, they end up at the house of Rahab. And they say, do you know who we are? And this is what she says. She was living in the promised land 40 years before, when they were right there on the edge, she's here 40 years later, and she says this to them, oh, we know who you are. When you arrived at our gates 40 years ago, we were terrified. We knew that God had given you this land. So when the spies went back to the people and said, we look like grasshoppers, they'll destroy us. Inside the walls of the city, they were shaking in their boots. They were terrified. They knew that if the army of Israel walked through those walls, there was no hope for them. But the children of Israel postponed the plan of God for 40 years. And I'm telling you, if you haven't seen victory in 2021, stop postponing God's plan in your life for victory. And you're going to see it in 2022. If they would have remembered what God did for them, according to Psalm 78, if on the edge of the promised land, they would have said, wait a second, yes, they look big, but remember what happened in Egypt. God wiped 
the whole army out. The waters parted and then collapsed on the army when they were chasing us. Before that, God sent flies and locusts and plagues upon Egypt. He took Pharaoh out and we never had to lift a finger. Not only did that happen, if you've never heard this, my mother-in-law's teaching on this today down the street on Freedom Drive. It's called a no-fly zone. The children of Israel lived in the land of Goshen. It was a part of Egypt, but when the plagues were covering Egypt, not one plague touched any home in the land of Goshen. They were surrounded by darkness because of the flies and the locusts and the frogs that came up out of the ground. All the water in the whole country turned to blood except for the water in the land of Goshen. All the firstborn of the people in Egypt died except for the people in the land of Goshen. It was a no-fly zone for those plagues. And if your house and your home doesn't feel like it's been a no-fly zone for the past year, allow the word of God to work in your life and declare a no-fly zone over your house in 2022. The children of Israel limited God and what he could do because they didn't remember. This happened to Jesus too when he was walking the earth in the flesh. He did miracles everywhere and John said, if I wrote down all the miracles that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them. And then there's another verse that says, Jesus could not do many miracles in his hometown. They looked at him and they said, that's not the Messiah, that's just the son of the carpenter Joseph. And the word says he couldn't do many miracles there. The people of his hometown limited Jesus because they only saw him as a son of a carpenter. Man, I don't want to fall into that trap. I don't want to limit Jesus. I don't want to, I don't want to wake up tomorrow and, and, and think of Jesus as the guy that we see on the bulletin at church, the guy that we grew up seeing in a stained glass window, the guy that we sing about on Sundays. No, no, he is the most real part of your life. And when his word is getting what it needs on the inside of you, what that is doing is it's getting your brain in line with the blessings that you already have in the spirit. And you're going to start seeing that stuff more active in the natural than you ever have. So let's not be like the children of Israel. Let's not be like the people in Jesus' hometown and limit what the word is doing in our life because this word is unlimited. Now, our flesh is limited, but that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. We're not walking by what we see in the natural, but by what we see in the supernatural. So we're going to start off. Here we go. About... 10 minutes, maybe less, of who we are in Christ, I might just blow through this stuff, all right? So if you're taking notes, write fast. And if you can't keep up, go watch this. Again, push pause and write stuff down because this stuff is important to remember. Deuteronomy 28, 12 through 13 is Old Testament scripture. But in the New Testament, it says the blessing of God that was given to Abraham and the children of Israel is now yours because you've been grafted into that family through Jesus. So what does it say in Deuteronomy 28, 12 and 13? Well, I say this multiple times a week. If you know me, you might know it by heart. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not below. You are first and not last. You are a lender, not a borrower. This is a blessing that God spoke over you. The head and not the tail, above and not below, first, not the last. I like to say it like this, a leader, not a follower. A lender, not a borrower. So what does that mean for you? What if you're looking at that and you're like, well, that's not true. I'm always last. That's not true. I'm never ahead. I always have to play catch up. That's not true. I'm always trying to borrow from somebody. I've never lended in my life. 
then here is the truth for the believer. You're limiting God. You're limiting God. So how do we unlimit God? Well, first of all, we got to put that word inside of us like a seed, right? You got it now. You got it now if you didn't before. Now you know it. It's too late. I just gave you the seed. You got it now. So now that you have it, you got to keep that seed in the right environment. We're going to talk about that. You got to give it what it needs. What is one, the major thing a seed needs? Water. We're going to talk about how to water it. We're going to talk about the environment. Hold on to that. One little head start you can get, start making decisions based on being the head, not the tail. Start making decisions based on being above and not below. Start making the decisions of a leader and not of a follower. Here's a good question I tell my kids to ask this. What's the easy way? What's the hard way? If you want to be a leader, probably choose the hard path. It's that simple. Not always. A lot of times it's that simple. How do you start lending and not borrowing? I don't know. Lend somebody something. <laughs> lend somebody something. You got time. You got a talent. Lend somebody something. Expect nothing in return. Amen. And activate this word that says you're a lender, not a borrower. And they say, how can I pay you back? Say, don't even worry about it. How, uh, uh, well, you have this skill. You help me. Let me go help you with that. You know what? If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. Don't feel obliged. I'm a lender, not a borrower. Just be it. Start with that one. That's an easy one to start with. Go lend somebody something and don't expect anything in return. When everybody else is given into fear and peer pressure to do this or do that, and you got your standards and you've never said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in fear now like everybody else, stay a leader and don't give in. All right, that's just one verse. How about Psalm chapter 1, verse 3? It says, for those who delight in the Lord, delight in the word. That's what we're talking about right now. It says, you will bear fruit in every season, and anything you put your hands to will prosper. Well, you might be asking, well, things I put my hand to have failed. Forget it. Put it in the past. Delight in the word. Stop limiting what the Lord is doing in your life. And then here's a revelation for somebody who's going to get it. Go put your hand to something. Go put your hand to something. Stop waiting for a handout. Stop waiting for somebody to come to you and say, hey, I got your answer. No, put your hand to something, anything. Well, I don't want to go get this job. I'm waiting for a managerial position. Go over to the McDonald's, get a job. They're hiring at $17 an hour with a $3,000 signing bonus, like an athlete. You get a $3,000 signing bonus. Go get a job. And you know what? Watch yourself become more prosperous within that company than you've ever dreamed about. It doesn't matter if you start from the bottom. When you put your hand to something as a person who delights in the word, you will see it prosper. Here's another way you can activate this word in your life. Instead of hoarding, moving into a season where you think, I, I got to withhold, I got to withhold my time and save my energy for this or that. I got to withhold my finances. And instead of giving right now, I just got to focus on, on hoarding. I got to focus. No, look to be a giver even more when it looks like in the natural, it might not be the right time. I'm not talking about writing a check for every bit of finances you have. I'm talking about listening to the Lord and being aware of places you can give right? Uh, up your tips when you go to a restaurant, 5 10%, right? Man, I mean, give more at every chance. Listen to the Lord on it. He's not going to tell you to put your bread in the ground, right? That's, you don't get a harvest off bread. And he's not going to tell you to put your seed on the table because you can't survive off seed. Even if people want you to try to survive off 
chia seeds and all that stuff now. You got you to gotta have something else. Ooh, quinoa. Ooh. It's not even a seed. That's a grain, but man, it's gross. We have a bag of barley in our house. Have you ever had a bag of barley? No. You liar. You didn't have it on purpose. Barley? We're moving on from barley. All right, here we go. <laughs> Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. I already said it, but here we go one more time. It says, a righteous man, a righteous woman, like a tree planted by the water, bearing fruit in every season. And in all they do, everything you put your hands to, you'll prosper. Yes. Expect fruit in every season. Yes. Lisa's dad, it was just her and her dad for a couple years, uh, the single life before he met my mother-in-law, Karen, and it was just the two of them on their own, and he has this awesome story. He was working at IHOP. How much money did he have left? Was it $5 or 10 It was $5. Derry had $5 for him and Lisa to survive off of. This would have been like in 84, 85. It was more than it is now, but it still wasn't enough to survive off of for long. He went into a church service, and God told him to put $5 in the offering. And he said, well, Lord, that's my last bit of money at all. And God says, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with $5? You still got to, you still got to hope somebody else helps you out, even if you got $5. So he said he put that $5 in the offering. The Lord told him to, right? Don't give all your money unless you're really, really hearing the Lord say to do it, right? But he had $5. He put it in the offering. The next day he went to work and his boss, who was known as a very hard man that was not very giving, Pastor Derry uh, describes him as a bit stingy. Uh, but the next day when he went into work, he said, are your cabinets uh, full at your house? And Derry said, no, they're pretty empty. And he said, hey, I want you to take enough food home today from the restaurant to fill your cabinets. And as long as you work here, I want you to take food home. Your cabinets will be full no matter what. That happened the day after he put that $5 in. And, and, and again, it's not about the amount. It's not even about the fact that it was his last $5. It's about the fact that he was looking for an opportunity to give. God told him to give, and he did it. And it doesn't matter if it's one of many, many $5 that you have, or if it's the last. If God says do it, put that seed in the ground and watch the harvest. You'll bear fruit every season. That's who you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says you are righteous. Here's a great way to respond to this word. Instead of making decisions based on this idea that we're Horrible sinners, lowly, disgusting, groveling sinners. Go out and make decisions based on the saint that God sees you as. When, a position, when you're put in a position and somebody's in front of you and you know this person needs some love, you know they need prayer, and there's a voice inside of you saying, no, who are you to go pray with this person? Who are you to tell this person about Jesus? You're the same guy that made that horrible mistake last night. You're the same lady that hasn't been able to get your life together for the last few years. No, that is not the real you. The real you is the saint, and the real you is righteous because of Jesus. So go right up to that person and show them the love of the Lord. Make decisions based on who you are, which is the righteousness of Christ. John 15, 15 says that you are friends of God. When was the last time you looked at God as your friend? When was the last time you went to God in a hard moment and said, listen, I got to tell you about something that just happened to me. I need you to help me process this. Man, he's the best processor. Yes. And he even talks back if you give him some time, if you listen. Most of us don't, don't sit down and listen to the response. And he's talking. And he wants you to hear his voice so bad. You just got to take some time. That's why the Bible talks about a prayer closet. 
There's nothing super spiritual about going into a closet and praying, but the picture you get is eliminating all the distractions around you and taking some time to concentrate and listen to what the Lord is saying. Philippians 4.19 says you're blessed according to his riches, not your own. 1 Peter 2.24 says by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. Not praying and asking God to heal us, you were healed. We have to make that seed grow by giving it what it needs. Galatians 3.26 says that you are children of God. You're not only friends of God, you're children of God. Now we can make choices going into this next year. We can make decisions filtering them through these truths of who we are in Christ rather than any of our own shortcomings in the flesh. And you'll begin to see the little seeds of victory growing more and more. But just like that parable Jesus told in Matthew, when those seeds start to grow, it's up to you to chase off the birds of the air that are going to come and try and uh, pick that stuff before it grows fully. It's up to you to clear all the thorns out so that when it begins to grow, it doesn't get choked out. That's what that parable of the sower and the seed was all about, that the word is powerful and it will grow. And once it starts, it is then up to us to get rid of the thorns, the cares of the world. It's up to us to get the birds away, the enemy or, or, or any type of attack to try to come and steal it. And when you do that, and you're going to see such a harvest on the word like never before. So that's who we are in Christ. I'm going to talk for a few minutes about what you have in Christ. And really, this is going to start in Ephesians, and it's going to finish with a verse in Galatians that I believe you'll know by heart. But if you want to know what you have, here's the truth, all of it. That's it. You have all of it. Read the New Testament. Every blessing Jesus spoke, every promise he made, they weren't to just individual people. He's no respecter of persons. They were for you. You have every bit of what Jesus had on the inside of him, you have on the inside of you. The same spirit that dwelled in Jesus dwells in you. Amen. Ephesians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing. If you've ever had this thought, why am I not blessed like this person or that person? You are. You're blessed the exact same, every spiritual blessing. The, 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 the men and, and women, the heroes of our faith, Amy Simple McPherson, Smith Wigglesworth, Billy Graham, Charles Capps, uh, uh, let's see, who else? Um, Catherine Kuhlman, Joyce Meyer, the same thing these heroes have on the inside of them, you have on the inside of you. You have the exact same thing they have. Every spiritual blessing it's in the spirit, and, and I love the follow-up here, Ephesians 2, 6. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You have every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing that anybody's ever had, you have. You, me. In Galatians 5, 22, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is where you have the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit that was in Jesus that produced this fruit in his life is the Spirit that is in you that can produce this fruit in your life. So why is it, why is it such a good thing to act the way Jesus did, to think the way he did? Because he saw this fruit growing in every moment of his life. He saw it producing and we can as well. So let's just talk about it here. The Holy Spirit 
produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. That's a good list. These are not things we're praying for. If you don't have much self-control and you've prayed, Lord, give me self-control, man, turn that negative, horrible prayer away and start saying, thank you, Jesus, for the self-control you've put on the inside of me. I mean, it's almost like praying doubt when we say, Jesus, give me joy. Jesus, give me peace. Jesus, give me patience. It is literally like praying and speaking doubt out loud. Because if we look to the word, the incorruptible seed, what we will see is that it is a done deal. It's like planting apples and saying, Lord, please give me apples. Lord, please give me apples. And he's saying, water that seed. Plant it in the right spot and just watch the law of nature produce fruit. If you're just holding the seed, Lord, give me apples, give me apples, give me apples. You're literally holding apples in your hand. And once you plant it once and you get 30 apples, and you plant 30 apple seeds, you get an orchard. And then when you take the seeds from those and you begin to plant those, you got more apples than you could ever eat in your entire life. One seed in your hand. You're holding literally all the apples. That's kind of a phrase, right? That's not a phrase, but I'm thinking of something that has to do with apples. All the, I don't know. But I do know this. If you got a seed, you got all the apples you could ever need. But you got to give it what it needs. You got to put it in the ground. And it can't just be an Arctic tundra. That's not a good place. You got to plant it where it needs to be. And you got to give it the water that it needs. And you'll see it grow. So, So cancel these prayers. Lord, give me love. You got it. Lord, give me joy. You got it. Lord, please give me peace. You got it. Stop praying that. Lord, give me patience. We've all prayed that one. Sometimes even goofy when our kids are acting crazy. Lord, give me patience. It's literally doubt and unbelief. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's one too. Lord, give me self-control. You got it. Operate in it. Say yes to self-control instead of Whatever it is, indulgence. It's the, it's the same picture of uh, and having unlimited funds in a bank account and just not making a withdrawal. But you got it. So now we're moving on to how to withdraw. How to make the seed grow. What is the water that makes the seed grow? What is the environment that it needs? Well, let's start with the environment. Uh, the presence of God is the place we're going to start here and finish. The presence of God is the environment where the word of God as a seed will grow. So how do you invite the presence of God into your life? How does your life become filled and surrounded with the presence of God, right? He's always within you. If you said yes to Jesus, yes, he is in you. There's this whole environment around you, though. And up here, this is an environment, your brain, whatever happens between your ears, that's an environment. Some people, it's very negative. Some people, it's very dark, but it doesn't have to be. It can be filled with light, and it can be very positive. It can be filled with the Word of God. This environment, right, we have this awesome verse that if we took it to heart, it would change our life. Psalm 22.3, it says that the presence of God dwells in our praises. Do you know what praise is? It is an expression of thankfulness. 
Praise is an outward expression of inner thankfulness. And we've talked about thankfulness a lot here. I'm not going to go into it too deep, but here you go. Start with thanksgiving. Start with being thankful for what you have. Instead of, Lord, I need joy. I need peace. Give it to me. Thank you that you've said you deposited joy and peace on the inside of me. Thank you that you said you've given me patience. Thank you that in the middle when I don't feel like I have self-control, you've given me self-control. Start with that. And then go with some of the basics. Thank you that I have a house to live in. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this and that. This invites the presence of God into your moment and yes. your atmosphere becomes the presence of God. Do you know Adam and Eve lived in a garden with the presence of God in this garden? He walked with them in the cool of the day. They would never have died had they not eaten that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They would have lived forever because they were put and planted in the presence of God at all times. Man, you will prosper in the presence of God, just like, just like that, you will see this fruit producing in your life like never before when your environment becomes the presence of God. And it starts with thanksgiving. It says in Psalms, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise, all piggybacking off of this truth that his presence dwells in our praises. We walk through the gates into his presence when we begin to be thankful and grateful and express that. Yeah. That's the environment you got to plant this seed in. So if you're saying again to yourself, I'm going to repeat this, where do I get this seed? You're here right now listening, which means you're getting seed right now. It's straight from the word. I'm giving you straight verses. This is the seed. It's being planted inside of your heart right now. Walk out of here and make 2022 the most thankful year you've ever had. Let this last week of 2021 be filled with more thanksgiving than ever. Uh, Shane had a word this morning during prayer. Instead of looking back at this year and thinking about the negative things, take some time this year and write out the greatest hits of 2021 in your life. Take a piece of paper, number it one through 10, and write the 10 best things that happened this year and say thank you, God, for every one of them. Finish this year off focusing on what God did in your life and the victory he gave you. Man, that's awesome. It'll change your perspective. I, no more of the like, bye-bye 2021. You were the worst year ever. Listen, forget all that. Write down some of the greatest hits and watch the environment of your life begin to be good ground for that seed that you're hearing right now. And also, you don't have to wait till here to hear it. Like, open this up and read it for yourself. I love doing read through the Bible in a year. Do a read through the Bible in a year program. Start on January 1st. You can look it up and Google it and read a little bit every day, about 10 to 15 minutes. You'll read through this entire thing in a year, and it'll be in your heart more than it ever has been. The environment is the presence of God. You enter that presence. You invite that presence through thanksgiving and praise. The last thing we're going to talk about is the water. How do you water it? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the seed. Guess what? It's also the water. <laughs> It's kind of both, right? It is a multi-purpose, awesome thing that will just change your life. Romans 10, 17 is that reference. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says that when we renew our mind to the word of God, our mind, this environment, instead of being like the world's environment, will begin to be transformed into all it's called to be. Do I just pick it up and read it? Is that how I water the word? That's a great start. There's also this thing called meditating on it, applying it to your life, right? Instead of thinking about how dark the world is, thinking about how good the kingdom of God is. 
Instead of being so depressed about what you see in the media, man, look to what's happening in the kingdom, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and say, man, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not subject to all this negativity I see in the world, but I'm subject to, to the truth and the victory in your word. That is the water. His presence is the environment. And we could get into this and break it down even more and with more detail, and I'm telling you we will in the new year. We will, but today, this is where I want to stop. This is where I want to finish. This is where I want to close this year out. The things that you hear from this pulpit, the things that you hear in our discipleship class, the things that you hear in City Youth on Wednesdays, the promises, the victory, the fruits of the Spirit that are true and deposited on the very inside of you. And these are seeds. Don't walk out of here like it's any other day and just go back to business as usual. But give these seeds the water they need. Take the word home and put it on the inside of you more than ever. And when you're driving in your car, meditate on what you read. God said in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, hang my words on the gates of your house and the, on the gates of your, of your borders and the walls of your house. Put the word in front of you more than ever. And as you hear it, as you hear it in your physical ears, as you hear it in your heart, as you hear it in your mind, it is like giving all these seeds the exact right amount of water they need. And as you express gratitude towards a good and faithful God, and your life begins to look more thankful than miserable and more, more filled with gratitude than attitude. Oh, I should write that one. Mm. More gratitude, less attitude. Oh, man, I have to make a note. Sometimes I don't like things that rhyme because they can be mistaken as kind of cheesy. But I like cheesy. It's a truth that's cheesy. That's the presence of God, though. It invites his presence into the moment. It invites his presence into this environment. Yeah. And instead of the negativity, instead of the pessimism, man, you'll be filled with more Hope than you've ever imagined. You'll become hopeful. Not only will you become hopeful, you'll begin to see the things you're hoping for even manifest in the natural because that's how hope works when it's mixed with faith. And you got faith. If you said yes to Jesus, you got faith. But water the seed with the word. Keep the environment filled with the presence of God through thanksgiving, through praise. And watch the word bear fruit in your life. And you won't find yourself anymore, Lord, I need patience. Whether you're saying, give me patience, or whether you're saying, help me use the patience I already got, you won't even find yourself in those moments. The fruit of your life will be patience. You'll find yourself being more patient on accident than you could ever be on purpose. And, and listen, all of our flesh is the same too. Just like our spirits are the same through Jesus, our flesh is the same. In our flesh, we're not patient. In our flesh, we're not kind. And if you don't believe it, get on Facebook. In our flesh, we are not uh, gentle. In our flesh, we don't have self-control. Man, but in our spirit, we got every bit of it. You got every bit of it. It's a seed. It's got to get water, and you will see a harvest in your life. It is an incorruptible seed. It will grow. And it will produce fruit. If you want to see it grow and produce fruit in your life, 
Keep the thorns away. Keep the birds of the air away. Man, if you got all the praise and thanksgiving flying everywhere, there's no more airspace for the birds of the air to come land. It's like your scarecrow. Your thanksgiving is like a little spiritual scarecrow. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the van to come back up as we close not only this service, but our last service for the 2021. I just want to say this. 2021 has been an awesome year for us here at Freedom. We've had things come against us. We've had families that have had things come against them, right? But we have been a community that has stayed together and stood on the word. And then through hardship, we have seen victory, right? In the middle of, of, of Oh, a weird economy in the natural that's looking at inflation and all kinds of stuff. We've seen financial victories. We have people in here that are are, are getting raises in their jobs like never before, beginning to be put in management positions. We got people here that have started companies this year and seen already a a good harvest on that, on a new company. And I'm telling you, 2022 can be more of the same. I actually like New Year's resolutions. I encourage you to to make a few good decisions, but here's the difference. Involve the Holy Spirit in your New Year's resolutions. Because in your flesh and in my flesh, we might make it till February. That's if we're lucky. That's if our flesh is really strong, right? But let me tell you, if you've never involved the Holy Spirit in making some good decisions for the New Year, I love the New Year because it is just an obvious example that we can have a new start every day. And you can have a new year begin on March 16th, right? You can have a new year beginning on November 12th. I don't know. You can have a new start whenever you want because his mercies are new every morning. But here we have a moment where the whole world is going to be focused on the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new season, the end of an old season. There's a few times there's a good bandwagon to jump on. That's a good one. Why don't we just jump on that bandwagon, make a few really good decisions, allow the Holy Spirit to inspire them, allow him to to work with you, making those decisions happen, and you'll see victory. You'll see more victory. I mean, we can talk about physical health. You can get physically more healthy in 2022 than you've ever been. Spiritually more healthy. You can make a decision to allow the joy of the Lord to rise up in you. I don't know, why don't we make a new resolution to, to, to turn away from our own strength and begin to Operate in the joy of the Lord and His strength more than ever. Holy Spirit can make that happen in your life when you partner with Him. He leads you straight into victory every time. And when we make a few detours, He just reroutes us back onto that path. He is not worried that you've made a mistake that's too great for Him to course correct. He's not worried that you're too far gone. We're the only ones that ever worry about that. He knows who you are. And he knows what you've got on the inside of you. And he'll partner with you to make some good decisions. Let's all stand together. Let's respond to the word. Let's respond to what we have. Let's, let's, let's start watering this seed right now. Let's start creating an environment in our own lives by just focusing on him. I believe we're going to sing... You make all things work for our good. That's not just a nice thought. That is scripture. That is Romans 8, 28, that he takes all things for those who are in Christ Jesus and works them for their good. 
So you know what? As we declare this, we are lifting up hearts of gratitude and being thankful for it. And that's the environment of his presence. And we are declaring the actual word. And we are giving that word in our life water, what it needs, that seed. So let's respond for just a few more.